I don't know if anybody's paying attention. I think you're paying attention. If you listen to this, you're probably paying attention. And paying attention to what a fucking idiot I am. Uh, but, no, really, it seems like with the way the internet's been working lately, in the last few years, right, we've all been getting dumber. We're supposed to have the entire world of uh, human knowledge at our fingertips, but for some reason, somehow, through the social media algorithms, or whatever you want to blame it on, maybe it's just human nature to act viscerally to everything they come across and to be smartass and snarky. It just seems like we're really kind of devolving into thinking and quack speak. If you're not familiar with quack speak, that's the uh, language that the INSOC uh, in George Orwell's 1984, the English socialists, were trying to implement this uh, new language where they had eliminated words from the English language uh, to reduce people ability to think. They could not even think of the words that would um, be able to express thoughts capable of contradicting the party narrative. And they dubbed it as quack speak because it was to sound quick and quacking like a duck by limiting everything possible to as few syllables as possible. I think George Carlin did a really good job breaking this down, talking about the opposite, how we like to make things longer, how we went from, you know, shell shock to PTSD, post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and, you know, so he had a whole long bit on it. If you haven't seen that, I really suggest looking it up because George Carlin is freaking brilliant, was brilliant. I hope he's up there with Harambe in the infinite bamboo forest. Um, but, yeah, so I, I kind of stepped back for a little bit. I got kind of busy with work, so I haven't been casting in a while. And, you know, just kind of trying to get things on the personal side of this going a little bit better. And, of course, you know, I went like 30-something years without ever doing a podcast. And you guys got, what, 15 episodes and how fast? So, you know, don't be don't be too greedy. Settle down, okay? I mean, I love every one of y'all. I mean, figurative, appropriately, inappropriately, maybe. You don't know, right? You know what I'm doing over here because I don't have a camera. Actually, I tried doing some recording a while back with the camera. I recorded for 40 minutes to find out that none of the audio recorded. I have no idea. I am a complete incompetent buffoon when it comes to this technology here. I really should be spending more time researching how to properly record and, and you know economically because I haven't invested much money into this podcast you might be able to tell by my high quality audio that it's only top of the line the most state-of-the-art sophisticated gizmos that money can buy on Amazon but all that said right I noticed something today in the science news that was really cool because I you might have guessed by now I'm pretty fascinated with wildlife and also, you know, the implications and uh, complications that come with being around wildlife, especially if you live in a rural country, which I do not. I live here in the U.S., in glorious Tejas. Uh, but, you know, I've traveled quite a bit around the world, and I've been on every continent except for Australia and Africa. And, of course, Antarctica. Everyone's like, oh, you haven't been to Antarctica? Well, no fucking buddy has been to Antarctica, unless you're like a researcher or, you know, military or something. I think it's where they keep all the aliens and giants. That's why they don't let anybody there. There's just giant aliens and UFOs all stored in a tropical paradise that 
only the wealthiest 1% of all humankind can go and visit. Kind of like that movie Ex Machina or Ex Machina, whatever the hell, however the hell you say it, right? Where the guy goes to the island, and it's like this private island, and he's flying to the helicopter, and he's like, well, when do we get to the island? He said, we've been flying over it for hours now. That, that's what's going on down there. Like, Jeff Bezos probably owns fucking Antarctica, and there's like a Disneyland and an ark just for all the elites once the coronavirus goes to full, you know, kill capacity after they, they give us all the vaccine. And uh, the vaccine makes us all super susceptible to it, and all of us, you know, pee on... Uh, polarities get you know killed off and then they get to have their uh, you know that's where they're gonna stay that's where they're gonna stay until the all the vaccine kicks off well that was rude I didn't mute my phone let me shut that off so I don't have to annoy y'all with all this anymore because I don't I know you guys don't want to talk to that telemarketer any more than I want to talk to them although I think maybe one day it could be fun if we did a prank call together with the uh Tall markers, you know, sometimes it's nice you ask them to marry you, you know, and you just propose to them just out of the blue. Oh, hi. Hi, uh, hi, Joe, with, uh, you know, the new program for looking, I don't, <laughs> I can't speak today. Hi, Joe, trying to uh, sell me an extended vehicle warranty. You know what goes really good with extended vehicle warranties? Some good old fashioned monogamy. Let's get married, you and me, right now. Look, I signed the contract. I'll go ahead and extend my car warranty by a few years, and you can get in on this, too, by taking my hand in holy matrimony. Oh, I don't care if you're not gay. It's the, I, I'm a woman now. I'm a woman. We're, I'm a woman, and we're getting married, and that's it. It's fine. Look, your dad's already paid the dowry. It's a get over here. Look, I, you've already got my phone number and my address, so get your ass over here and carry me across the fucking threshold. I'm ready for my honeymoon, Joe. Get over here. Right, so maybe one day we could do that together. It'd be fun. As soon as I learn how to patch in a phone call to one of these podcasts, that's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to start calling the, the telemarketers. I'm going to start asking them if they want to buy a warranty on their warranty. It's like when you're, uh, you know, young and rude and you're walking down the street and some poor downtrodden uh, homeless person you can see the look on their eye and they're about to ask you for some money and you just look real sad and you hit them with hey buddy you got a quarter and they look at you confused and you just walk on by I know it's not nice but you know you don't always have to be nice to everybody I mean you probably should and I'm probably a horrible person for saying that but you're probably horrible people too for listening to me I'm just kidding. You're all wonderful people, and we're all going to make the world better by being incredibly honest with each other. Unless, of course, that honesty includes how fat and ugly I am, because then we're not friends. I can't stand that kind of negativity. So, back to the wildlife thing, right? Um, I was reading an article that was really cool, right? Talk about living in rural areas. Uh... One of the most neglected diseases on the earth, and it's just now recognized by the World Health Organization. I know I've criticized them before, but, you know, hey, look, we all have room to grow. I can grow, too. But So that disease is snake bites, okay? So um, in some of the sub-Saharan Africa, about 270,000 people get bit every year, resulting in about 55,000 cases of PTSD, uh, 
14,000 something amputations and about 12,000 deaths. And this is just sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, snakes really fuck up a lot of people. And then, you know, if you get into like uh, India and Asia, it's like 2 million people get bit and need uh, medical treatment. And it's like 80,000 to 138,000 people die. They don't even know how many people die because some of these places are so rural. And uh, you go looking around there and people are just missing limbs and they just have deformities, missing big chunks of muscle from all the uh, cytotoxic venoms. And the cytotoxic dissolves uh, muscle tissue if you don't know that. You're not a snake person or a venom person. Um, so anyhow, there's they're finally getting into this and starting to address it in the uh, WHO as a neglected tropical disease and finally getting some funding to start getting um, more anti-venom produced and other uh, methods of treatment. So uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize this uh, is that anti-venom is really the only recognized medically significant treatment. Okay, so all the other stuff isn't proven and especially like the cutting and sucking none of that stuff works so you out there in your garden and you're here in Texas you get bit by a copperhead don't go taking Benadryl don't go trying to cut it or suck the venom out you're not gonna do it like right try sucking try sucking the water out of a freaking bag out of a out of a wet plastic bag right so like just put your face up to a to a sandwich bag full of water and try to suck the water out like the bag collapses in on itself and it just sucks flat like you can't pull it out you can't pull enough of it out of there to make any sort of difference because this stuff is super toxic and there's not a whole lot in there and it's deep in the tissue because you know fangs and shit it's like a hypodermic needle you can't squeeze a shot back out of your arm you're not gonna squeeze the snake venom out you're not gonna cut it out you're not gonna flush it out the only thing you can do is get your ass to the hospital and get some blood work done and some anti-venom start going okay so if you live in rural farm on India, that could be five or six hours before you get there. And you got shit like cobras over there that got pack of neurotoxin and uh, cytotoxins and uh, and hemotoxins, right? They got the three fingers of death <clears throat> where they, they just hit you at all three angles and like, you know, you got four or five hours of delay between getting um, to a regular hospital, much less getting flown to a hospital that has antivenom for these things is you know you're gonna die well lots of people do die or they end up going to one of these cheesy hospitals and they they try a bunch of weird stuff I like duck anuses there was actually a really funny uh, clinical not a clinical study but it was in a, a research paper in a medical book where they were in India and they could not get anti-venom and they had no means and I don't know the whole context of the story or why but basically the local tribesmen or what do they call the folk healer recommended to the doctor and the doctor was like well hey you know what like we're dying anyway he's dying anyway we're gonna try it so they put chicken anuses on the snake bite it described it as having been well cut actually you know I don't know if I can read the whole thing to you because I don't know who owes the credits or, or who owns it, but it was uh, an indigenous treatment for snake bite, the Indian, uh, oh, the Indian Medical Gazette. And uh, male age 36 stepped on a biocellic cobra some three inches in girth and bit him on the back of the leg about four inches above the heel 
At 9 p.m. one evening, I saw the patient 20 minutes later and discovered two puncture marks on, from the fangs of some three-quarter of an inch apart in that situation. When first seen, the patient showed no symptoms except numbness of the part bitten. I have no antivenom available. I applied indigenous treatment, in which is much in vogue of Rattaguri District. Sorry, I, I'm not very good with these... Uh, Indian names. Anyhow, our pronunciations. The fang marks were well incised, and chicken after the other with their anuses well stretched were applied to the site of the bite. The first few chickens dropped down dead within a few minutes, and from the 42nd chicken onward, the patient stated that he could distinctly feel the aspiration actions of the chicken. Oh, God, those poor chickens. Like, I, I don't even want to know how they were stretched. I'm not going to keep reading that. This is just too damn weird. Um, but then, you know, later it goes on to a note. What does not appear to be certain in the patient had received a lethal dose of venom. Fresh cobra venom has about the consistency of tracheal, and it is difficult to see how so viscous a substance could be extracted when it probably buried in the tissue at two spots about a third of an inch or so away from the site of the punctures on the skin. It is known that cobra venom can be absorbed through the conjunctive, or at least it's supposed to supposed so, and works through the desiccated venom. It should always wear goggles when grinding into the solution. Right, so anyhow, basically, this guy probably had a dry bite, and that's why the chicken buttholes didn't save him. And I'm pretty sure it was a stretching of the chicken's anuses that killed them, and not, um, you know, the venom being absorbed by these poor horribly raped chickens medically raped right it's surgically raped chickens it's it's all for the same name of science but so, but this is sort of the thing that people deal with in these weird countries i remember seeing one where they literally just taped a duck to the guy's leg i think it was in vietnam in vietnam i didn't see this firsthand right but this was a a study that i had read about where they just taped a fucking duck to the guy's leg and like these people are desperate all over the world because they get bit and like they don't have a clue what to do and, and you know you'll hear the same thing here in the u.s about all these wild folk stories i remember this i was doing firefighting training and uh <laughs> it was this guy and he's talking about he had gotten bit by one of those spiders that laid eggs in his arms so he had to go to the dollar store and get him one of those cheap dollar store tasers and I'm just thinking like you can buy a taser at the dollar store for a dollar and goes on to describe how he used the, ta the taser to electrocute the, the spider eggs out of his arm and the spiders come crawling out I'm like Jesus Christ man what like someone's gonna have to trust you in a burning fucking building and can we just kick this guy out now he's batshit crazy he needs to eat way less mushrooms before coming to school um but you know the there, I, I have heard other people talk about uh you know believing that spiders lay eggs and skin and you know all sorts of other wild you know uh, wives tales about venomous animals uh, so yeah anyhow moving forward with with my point is so now that they're getting um some who funding they're, they're actually looking at some of these lesser spoken of uh forms of treatment. When I say lesser spoken of, I'm not talking about duck anuses. Um, I'm, I'm actually talking about uh, some of these drugs that are used pardon me to uh, combat heavy metal poisonings. Um, I, I don't know the name of them because I, I don't really I haven't really looked into it any, but I'm actually just reading an article from uh, Science News. It's 
really good one. I suggest you look it up if you're really curious about looking further. It was published today, sciencenews.org. And, uh, you know, they're looking at using metals, uh, drugs that combat um, metal poisoning in, in people who have, you know, consume too much metal like lead and stuff like that and in the at least the the mouse test uh, the, they call them PLA2 inhibitors right and so they uh, the mice actually survived so the ones without the mouse I mean without the drug all died uh, apparently within less than four hours from being injected with snake venom. I'm like, man, I'm so glad I'm not a laboratory mouse. These things die such horrible ways. But they actually went and they used puff adder venom, bit of serotins, and uh, some actual fertilants, Bothrops asper, um, if you're familiar with those terms. Bit of is a puff adder from South America and responsible for the most deaths in all of Africa from snake bite. And the Fertilance is probably responsible for a large number of the snake bite deaths and amputations in South America. They're, they're pretty nasty customers, uh, especially if you get bit by them. Um, the, the Bothrops Asper is mostly a hemotoxic venom, so it really likes to screw up people's uh, blood and kidneys. And the Puff Adder causes a lot of amputations when it doesn't cause kidney failure and other damage. But okay, So then the other ones that's really cool are just polymers. People are looking at uh, using plastics, right? Right, plastic nanoparticles to create um, artificial antibodies, literally synthetic antibodies to inject into people for the uh, sake of combating uh, snake envenomation. And, and they had actually started practicing with this with bee envenomation in mice. And like, man, that's really screwed up because bee venom hurts a lot. It's a neurotoxin. It's made to excite things and cause a lot of pain, right? That's why nobody likes getting stung by bee unless you're like a nasty, nasty freak and into that sort of thing. And, and if you are, bees are in danger. Leave them the fuck alone, you freak, okay? Find some other way to get your rocks off. Just knock it off, man. We need the bees. Honey. Honey to the people. Got to get the pollen out there, right? They're not your... They're not your winged, buzzy little six-legged sex toys. Okay. That said, um, so they're looking at that, the polymers, and they were using the, uh, the the bee venom to inject mice and cause them this horrible, horrible death. But hey, you know what? After a little while of agony, these polymers would kick in and save the mouse from, you know, so he could be injected with horrible, painful venom another day. Hey, all right, we're recycling mice now. I don't know. I don't know. Do the, do the mice get a reprieve? I never even thought about that. Is it like, you know, a death sentence? If you survive the execution, you're considered a free man? I, I don't know if that actually happens. I remember hearing that in a movie once. It's like, oh, yeah, if you survive being hung, you walk away free. But then I always hear them on TV say, well, hung by the neck until you're dead. So, like, I think you get away like that. If the rope breaks, you walk free. I don't know. If, if you survive the bee venom and the... uh polymers save your mouse ass are you free do you go to like some sort of lab rat uh retirement home or do they just you know euthanize you and throw you in the trash it's like you're damned if you do damned if you don't i, I have no idea i really probably should look into that um and then one of the other ones that was really cool is they're actually looking at doing like they do for uh insulin and i read about this they were doing it with trying to do it with cobra venom and they've had a couple good uh, candidate bacterias where they genetically engineer them to produce a toxin that is similar to cobra venom so that way they don't have to milk cobras and uh, get the venom out of them 
that way, you know, which is dangerous for the, the milker, right? Because they get bit all the time, they get allergies. But then they can also produce it, you know, um, in large vats by, you know, producing bacteria that produces the same thing. Um, but then there was another route where they were going to produce the antibodies directly from bacteria, the way that they produce insulin now is, you know, they genetically engineer bacteria to produce insulin. I don't really know how it all works. I haven't looked into it, but yeah, anyhow. So it's pretty, pretty cool stuff happening out there in that part of the, of the science world. And then it's really cool is they just now have realized that if you give birds a bunch of drugs, it'll change the way they sing. They're given uh, <laughs> the University of Wisconsin has been giving birds fentanyl and then recording the way they sing. Like, god damn, who comes up with this shit? And I wonder, like, is is this like a government stu funded study? Are we uh, funding getting dr birds hopped up on, on fentanyl so they can sing jazz? I mean, that is pretty wild. Um, Researchers gave a dose of fentanyl to birds to see what type of song they sing. They found birds given the opioid began to sing like freeform jazz immediately. The team linked to the joy birds get from singing. Yeah, the team linked the joy birds get from singing to being in a flock with other birds. So these are sad birds. These birds are all sad and alone. They ain't got nobody. They're depressed. So they're gonna dose them up with uh, fentanyl, some opioids. Man, it sounds like exactly what happens with people, right? Like they're they're substituting all their social interactions and, you know, otherwise wholesome uh, positive mood-enforcing type things that occur naturally with da -da -da, exogenous drugs, right? So, yeah, big surprise there. But this is still, still kind of cool, right? They found that when birds sing for pleasure rather than to mark out territory or to find a mate, the bird singing is gregarious and sound like jazz. So, okay, but see, I'm, I'm kind of unclear. I guess apparently the fentanyl just, you know, substitutes for their, their natural biological things. So, like, if you've got a parrot and he seems a little lonely, give that motherfucker some heroin. Polly doesn't want a cracker. He wants some goddamn heroin, okay? Let's keep that in mind. Not a cracker, but heroin. Um, you know, I guess that's why the uh, why the uh, the pirates always kept those parrots around, right? They were doing heroin like crazy. At least I bet they were. I mean, they didn't have meth back then. They were smoking opium or something like that. I, I bet all the African pirates and that, you know, all your ones that are stealing ships in Jakarta, you can bet those guys are all fucked up. That was one of the oldest tricks of warlords forever was, you know, getting young boys hooked on drugs so that way they get them to go out and kill like crazy. And uh, that's definitely one of those things that happens probably way too often. But going back toward the uh, birds here, right? And not just the uh, not just the heroin addicted uh parrots, but let's see. We've shown that opiates cause singing behavior, Ritter said. I, I mean, what, what, I wonder what the big long-term goal of this was. What is the biological connection between humans and these starlings? And like, who just sat around one day and said, you know what? What this bird needs? He needs some fucking fentanyl. I, I mean, I, I'm sure that there's some brainiac out there who's going to make a bunch of really profound connections out of this 
uh, probably more like, hey, you know what? I have deduced that we can get government funding for a bunch of harebrained fucking experiments. And we can spend the rest on heroin and, you know, lose it. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Like, I'm just making that up as I go. You might know that. So another thing that's going on right now is apparently all of California is on fire and your SUV is to blame. Um, I don't know why Canadian forests aren't on fire to the same degree. Maybe the uh, the Canadians are a whole lot better about, uh, you know, policing up their forests. Or maybe they had forest fires the year before. That's probably a little bit more logical. But I'm just going to go on and say that your SUV is actually the one to blame and that is why... California is burning to the ground and is this red hellscape that cannot be escaped unless of course you have money but most people who live in California don't have any money because everything's so expensive and the only people who live there that have money have it well you know there's lots of people that live in California that have lots of money right like let's not tap dance around that but they're all smart and they're leaving and they're gonna go someplace else and, and fuck that place up um, but it's totally not their fault it was just that, you know, everybody else didn't get on board enough with their policies that got them to this point. And, you know, it's also all the other states who didn't adopt their policies, too, and accept, you know, that their SUVs were destroying everyone and destroying the world, right? And causing this all to burn up. Uh, and, and, of course, um, you know, your white privilege is also setting the forests on fire. I, I know... And that's kind of a leap to say that it's your white privilege, but no, it totally is. It's it's your lily white skin that set these forests on fire, and I'm sure it is somewhere within critical race theory that will explain your uh, how your whiteness set the forest on fire. But man, I don't really know what to make of this. It's just it happens all the damn time out there. I mean forest burn like it, it's literally part of the natural cycle of it and now of course if you're burning down more if you're if you're clearing more trees for more apartments and more condos and more mansions then there's going to be less to you know to grow back right? and you're going to have less and less that can actually burn each other so like right so every year you can have more percentage of the forest that's on fire because your overall total areas of forest is smaller Right, so you can say, well, you know, last year we only had, you know, three percent of the forest was on fire, and this year we're at almost four percent. Yeah, well, you reduce the size of the forest by fucking seven percent, and those aren't those aren't hard numbers. I, I'm not pulling those numbers from anywhere. It's like, don't quote me on that and say that those are. You know, I'm being, uh, I, I'm being hyperbolic at the moment. Um, but so let's see. Each of the past six years were at least one to. 1.8 to 3.6 degrees warmer than the historical average. Um, historical average is like 100 years, so we can, you know, that's how we measure since we've been recording history of the weather. We've only gone back 100 years in the almanac. Now, of course, we can pull up a bunch of other data from, uh, you know, ice core samples and other places that will give us an idea assuming that CO2 levels strictly dictate the actual temperature and extrapolate from that exactly what we believe it to be but that is you know that, that's at least plenty uh, of room for question as far as the accuracy of it because you know we can barely predict a fucking hurricane 
we can barely predict the weather from week to week if it's going to rain. And you're going to tell me we can predict accurately to a tenth of a degree what the weather was like a million years ago, what the weather was like a thousand years ago. I mean, I, I find that rather dubious of a claim. Now, don't get me wrong, I know that a lot of people put a lot of effort into coming up with all of this and that you know they know way more about it than I do but that still doesn't mean that there's not room for skepticism and maybe a lot of it's been you know explained away but the last one I watched uh, was some of the Noah si Noah scientist um, and it's on YouTube and you can look it up they were talking about uh, they were doing a press conference I watched the whole hour and a half of it as at the White House and it was probably two three years old um, but anyhow the, the press kept trying to get the two scientists to say, hey, you know, uh, well, what do you think we should do in the future about global warming if the sea ice is melting in the Arctic Circle? And try to, you know, get them to get some sort of soundbite. The guy's like, I don't know, open a new shipping route? You save a lot of time shipping stuff to Russia. You know, shipping stuff to Asia, you just cut across the top and not around the side. It'd be a lot faster. And, and these were the scientists that actually did the research and it had completely gone through the entire... Um, explanation of how a reduced length in plankton grow time right d caused by lower sea temperatures by the melting ice reduce the amount of plankton that could grow in a certain amount of time reduce the amount of sea mackerel through you know uh, the, the, the shrimp or whatever that feed on the plankton and that would result in less and less uh, seals in that area and therefore less larger predators and so on and so forth right like the whole uh, food chain and, and like you know like that that's something to be concerned about like a food chain collapsing no no doubt I'm not trying to minimize that but they were just trying to get them on the hook to say that it was absolute doom and gloom for you know humanity and, and the guys were like well I'm not going to say that that's, you know, they didn't say that response specifically they said well you know just open a new shipping route do something you know they did not seem like they were incredibly concerned they were really just speaking from uh, a scientific perspective this is what we observed and this is what we predict will happen to these things that we are specialists in not you know are all the forests going to catch fire I mean, you, and you got to get kind of burned out on this because you know terrorism apparently at some point was leaked was linked to uh global warming and like at that point you just kind of whoa pump the brakes what the fucking train are we on here this is the bus to Looney town like terrorism is the global warming is a cause for terrorism excuse the shit out of me no 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 there's there's nothing about you know higher sea levels that causes me to jump in a plane and crash it into a fucking building okay like nobody does that that's that's not what causes terrorism what causes terrorism is insane ideologies on global warming. No, I'm just kidding. It's not an insane ideology. I mean, but people take it like a religion. Everything's a religion now. It's so weird. People get so entrenched into an idea. As soon as something's you know promoted, it becomes blasphemous to critique it, to criticize it. Unless, of course, it's an actual religion. Unless that religion is Islam, you can't critique that one. Which I say that, you know, laughingly because there are plenty of people on YouTube that do critique it a bit and criticize it rather uh, aggressively and and you know just like Christianity in the past it, it was definitely had it, its faults you know you definitely want to say hey yo you guys did some horrible shit um, 
But again, you know, that moved on, and now like we're, we're facing another thing where you know a newer one is the, the Islamic terrorism. But like that's kind of that's died down a lot, and so like now now the big thing in the news is white nationalist terrorism, or uh, white supremacist terrorism, far right wing extremist terrorism, and I don't see those guys burning the cities. I don't see those guys mailing rice and letters to uh, political officials. You know, I, I don't see that happening. There was, there, there have been a couple. I think there has been at least one of the mass shooters, two of them, maybe a handful of them that were actual right-wing extremists. You know, you can't can't get past the old window licker uh, who shot up that church in Mississippi. I believe it was Mississippi. I didn't want to say his name, but it's the top of a house. Yeah, because fuck that guy. Um, Y'all know who I'm talking about. But anyhow, you know, I've just been really, really kind of frustrated with the low resolution thinking that everybody's just kind of getting swept into. Like everybody is just so reduced to thinking. They're they're, they're walking manes. Like they're literally walking manes. Everyone are memes. I know I'm always going to have this debate. Is it quinoa? Is it a meme? Is it, you know, whatever. Pronunciations are fun. English is fun. This podcast has been fun, and I think I'm going to wrap it up right there because I've rambled on enough. I've hit over my 30-minute mark, and uh, I hope you guys are enjoying the cooler weather here in Texas in the wet, soggy land, and brace yourselves for Tropical Storm Beta or Rook. (laughs) Uh, It's the beta of all tropical storms. Really, let me fuck his girlfriend. Bye, y'all.